to everyone and welcome to uh, 33 uh, episode of the Media Beat. That's uh, for English speakers a 33 and for French speakers probably need translating as well due to my terrible um, accent. It is the Media Beat with Maureen and Claire. I'm Oliver Turnbull and as always it's my huge pleasure to welcome the uh, lead partner for media in Arthur D. Little, the world's oldest management consulting firm, Maureen. Hello. Hello Oliver. Hello, listeners. And also Claire Tavernier, who has been in media for years and years. She's held a variety of very high profile positions in various media organisations globally. And she now uh, occupies herself doing consultancy and um, interim roles and all sorts of stuff, travelling between England and France, moaning about the weather in England. It's Claire hello. Tavernier. Hello. Uh, hello, Oliver. Hello, Maureen. Hello, listeners. So we're there. So let's get going. Again, lots to get through. Um, the deep dive we're doing uh, this time is one I'm particularly interested in being a techie nerd who loves data and um, all things computing. Um, but I will let the ladies speak because they know far more about how it relates to media than I do. Uh, but I'll be listening intently. Um, so we're going to go through artificial intelligence, AI. We're going to go through the hype. Um, is it for real? Um, are robots going to start writing sitcoms for us um, or is it just a load of um, hot air? I have my views. I'm sure you do too. Um, but first, Claire, um, how about one of your famous summaries of what is and what's going on? Uh, and the subject uh, is AI. So um, maybe just a, a very brief high level summary of what on earth we're talking about and what the word on the street is these days. Yes, Claire. we talked a lot about AI at the beginning of the year. Everybody was talking about AI at the beginning of the year, starting, I think, late in 2022 when the chat GPT was released to the public. We had a couple of amazing guests on the, on the podcast who talked a lot about it. Everybody was publishing reports about how AI was going to transform the industry. AI was very central to a lot of the discussions around the right to strike that we've covered uh, in detail. And there was a huge excitement and this idea that now that it was out there, that you know, there's been large language models around for a while, but now it was out there in the public domain, thanks to ChatGPT and then Google, it was people were going to find use cases, it was just going to transform and this was a moment, this was different from all the other things, the VR, and we said this, VR, AR, multiverse, Multiverse, metaverse, etc. This, this, this is AI. This is going to change what the world, and it, it still may. But there has been in the last sort of ten days, two weeks, I think, a bit of a backlash around around AI. A number of articles from from lots of different places, uh, and I think the the there was a, a post on Substack by a guy called Gary Marcus who sort of summarizes it. He, his, uh, his post is titled, What if generative AI turned out to be a dud? And there is a bit of that, well, it hasn't changed the world. What's going on? Where is it going? We thought this was going to be it, but actually it's not very accurate. Everybody who's so keen on ChatGPT has gone around, turned around and said, it's, it's actually a bit crap. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of content owners are blocking uh, open AI crawlers at the moment because there's a real worry about about what it means to have your data pumped into the system and not being not having access. The legal system is still trying to figure out what to do with it. Um, so there are a lot of uncertainties, and it feels like there's maybe a sense that we've we've 
we've had the hype was a little bit too big and it's going to take much longer and not maybe not be quite as huge as we all thought it was going to be there are a few areas where it does seem to be going uh kind of quite quite uh, moving quite fast one is music uh with ai generated tracks and a lot of artists and labels now working with ai and solutions being found to allow allow artists voice to be used in a way that's respectful of their of their image it's we're still a long way away but there's clearly a sense that this is this needs to move because it's it's useful and the other area interestingly is fashion where fashion it's been quite a lot of uh, of ai being used in fashion fast fashion uh, and 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 more high-end fashion and there there seems to be a sense that that this could be really really helpful so there are pockets of usefulness and the other the other thing that people are doing that's interesting is more and more they're training their own AI. So Mumsnet, who you may not be familiar with, but I'm very familiar with, which is a, an, an online platform for, for mums in the UK, uh, is actually training an AI model with all of their content from all of their forums, slightly terrifying thoughts uh, of the last 20 years or wherever they, they were created. And they're training a model on that. But there is a question there, once you train a model uh, on AI, even though the model is supposed to be in a walled garden, is your data really safe? Is it going to leak into the open air, et cetera? So lots and lots of issues. I'm not, it's, it's slightly unclear, but there is a sense that the hype is dying down and people are going, is this really a big deal? Where, where is it going? But Maureen, you may have a slightly different view. Yeah, I do. I do, Claire. But that was that was. Um, I think that was a really good scene setter. Um, I, I think. I think with all these things, I mean, I have to say, almost every single major media company has some form, shape, or other a task force. So they're all taking it seriously. So they have probably in the technology and data area a dedicated team of people looking into this. So um, they are devoting time. The board, the CEO institutional investors, they want to know what are we going to do about AI. So it's definitely top of mind. Now, in terms of, yeah, hype, um, I mean, as with all these things, it's it's one of those, uh, you know, the jumping on the bandwagon of blockchain, NFTs, metaverse, everyone sort of shouts and screams from the, uh, you know, the, 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 yeah, the top of the, uh, of, of the chambers, you know, and says, this must be the next great thing. And they grab a, a hold of it. And I think what's happening here is that definitely did happen in the first quarter, second quarter of this year. And then things settled down. And, that, and that's, I think, probably a function of, well, what does it all mean? And and I think people have gone quiet. Uh, there'll be skeptics in, in interpreting that silence. But frankly, I'm interpreting that silence as people are knuckling down, figuring out what they can do. And I think people are seeing uh, some benefits. I think they realise that it's going to take a lot longer. I think they realise that the technology foundation is probably a little bit more challenging. I think once we start to look at some of the announcements that are being made, we're moving from a sort of a closed sourced, you know, big Google, uh, Microsoft, OpenAI, to companies like Meta that's basically opening up um, their, uh, their tech foundations or their their own um, applications for use that is not locked behind a walled garden, as you suggested. So there's a whole proliferation of open source related applications, which people are, are people are starting to use. People are starting to experiment. And some of it may not be right, like, um, you know, hallucinations, as we see, you know, the whole newsrooms, you know, are saying not quite sure we can rely on it. Uh, CNET, if I recall, um, pulled their um, automated generated 
uh, news articles off and out and started to get human intervention again because they were, they were hallucinating. They were making up stories. So I think there's an element of, um, yes, I think things have settled, but I don't think that is a function of no one believes this is going to change the way we do work. I think it definitely will. I just think it's going to take a lot longer than we all thought. It's not going to be an overnight success, as 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 is the case with the metaverse, you know, and, and other, other such things that did turn into hype. Brands and others are still working in a metaverse environment. AR, VR investment is still going on. And I think as will be the case for AI and or generative AI. And you can just see, you know, the um, there's definitely going to be you know, everyone, all the lawyers, are, all the legal folks are just concerned because of copyright infringement. The comment that you made about, you know, the news news organizations, New York Times, New York Times has basically closed OpenAI's web trawler, uh, basically saying, no, you can't do that. Now, I think that's just to give pause to let us figure out what we do. And I, we, this is another way of you stopping stealing all of our information, you know, so I think that's a function of that too. So I think, and I've seen a lot of really interesting use cases popping up and I see it in, as you've rightly pointed out, Claire, on the music side and some really serious people like the labels and Google in particular coming together to figure out the uh, DRM, so the digital rights management side of things, so that if anyone is training or using um, their uh, music lyrics and then, you know, repurposing them, in a generative way, people should get paid for that. And so young artists in particular who's creating music um, using AI, again, similarly, you know, could get paid. And then there's the other thing is that I think um, certainly on the advertising agency side, we're seeing a lot of really interesting creative copy where text to video is starting to happen. So you've got the mid journeys and you've got Dali and you've got stable diffusion that are very active in this area. And I think, you know, it's just trial and experimentation. So I'm I'm of the view uh, that, yes, the hype has died down in that this is not a panacea for everything for 2023. But it is stuff is going on behind the scenes and we will see the fruits of it. And it's all about augmentation. It's all about efficiencies. It's all about different things that we can do. It's not to replace the human being. And so the writers and the actors shouldn't be too concerned. Uh, uh, but nonetheless, I think over the next couple of years, we're going to start some really interesting ways where AI will be augmenting the way we do work. And I think that's my So a bit less sexy and a bit more productive. That's your prediction, Maureen. I love that summary. It took me five minutes to say that. But yeah, <laughs> no, thank you, No, you gave Claire. it much more color to that. <laughs> no, but I think that the infrastructure, be it legal or be it business, Bit technology needs to get its head around it all, and I think they're doing that slowly and sensibly. And this is is not an overnight phenomena. You know, this is going to be something which is just going to change the way we do work. Um, but it's going to take time. It's going to when we all need to experiment with it. That's my view. Yeah. I like the way you say less sexy and more productive. It sounds like a, a good way to choose a husband. Well, that's um, your opinion. Sorry. <laughs> That's that's how you this is how you would choose your husband. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, I I, I mean I think I, I agree with you. I think the creative industries were both super excited and very very worried about AI about generative AI, and they are now slightly less worried and perhaps more excited, but in a long term kind of way. So yes, I I, I think I think you're right. Um, it's probably a good thing that it's going slightly more slowly than we all expected. 
but yes, we're, so the robots are not going to take over anytime soon. But I feel like there will be a bit of a probably slowdown of investments in hype. Not slowdown of investments, slowdown of the size of the investments because it's just been, it was a little bit crazy. Uh, and hopefully will sort of become a little bit more logical and business driven. This is my hope. Anyway, we shall see. I think I think the, I think the investments, yeah, and I think Claire, the investment side of things, I think you are going to going to see, and we are seeing skewed investment activity and skewed valuations because of the power of those particular businesses hold, and in particular, we've seen either Nvidia, its share price has just skyrocketed for legitimate reasons, in particular because it it holds the GPU, it holds the chips. You know, and there's a scarcity on uh, on on that. You know, and and they've done extremely well in the gaming uh, environment, and now they're coming across and using that technology to underpin the compute power and the like for you know uh, image generation and yeah the whole uh, computing power that's required for AI. So you could see why there's been a big surge in valuation for Nvidia, and then you've got a few others like uh, Hugging Face and you know a number of others that again because of the scarcity and because of the sort of race to oh, let's get and invest somewhere you've got demand supply principles here which is just so out of proportion and that's why those valuations are going up but that it's it's funny because it's it's these types of businesses that, that are that are driving the valuation and then in turn buying more skills bringing more smaller businesses into their remit and into their company. That's why those valuations are going up as well. But outside of that, there's not much true, like normal investment activity that's going on in terms of M&A. Um, there's definitely a lot of internal uh, hiring of people, throwing money at these people, you know, changing you know, terminology. Like, you know, I saw, I saw a job advert for an AI product manager Netflix and offering something like nine hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean, well, that was crazy. You know? We're in the and wrong you, job. Got, it's crazy. And then you got a whole bunch. Of, and, uh, we're in the wrong job. And you got a whole bunch of people also changing their names and saying they want to become a yeah. prompt engineer, which is kind of like a really interesting skill, you know, to 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 start asking questions of the uh, of of the technology. So, um, it, I mean, it is slightly crazy times. It is slightly skewed, but it's, it's not as bad as, as as we've seen in previous hypes. I think, like like blockchain or metaverse that went and NFTs. NFTs went crazy. I don't put this in the same category as NFTs. But I don't, Claire. Do you put? I don't put this in the same category. No, no. Do you NFT, put that in the same category no, as the NFTs? I, no, nothing is in the same category as NFT. Uh, I no, I don't think so. Because the other thing about NFT was that the usage was is still so limited to the NFT bros, which lets. Uh, and not, uh, you know, it's just never achieved any sort of mass market penetration as far as I can see, whereas, whereas that's not the case with generative AI. So I think it, it is very different from that perspective. I'm, I'm old enough to have been in the business uh, longer than the World Wide Web. Uh, and I remember conversations like this when the World Wide Web hit and you had literally retailers saying to us, well, I don't know, people like going into shops. Oh, yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think the world will ever be covered with delivery. Vans. I heard the head of Real the, conversations uh, of like the that. home entertainment division of a major U.S. studio at a conference saying people want DVDs on their shelves and they'll never stop wanting DVDs on their shelves. So there you go. You can always get it. Involved. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And similarly with the cloud as well. 
the, the, the cloud is a similar wave in that it, it took a little bit of time to get a hold, but it's absolutely inevitable. People yeah. going, I'm not giving my data to Jeff Bezos. He sells books, doesn't he? Why would I give my data away to a different data yeah. center that's not as uh, secure as my data center? Now, I think this is different, isn't it, from the blockchain and the metaverse, which do have their uses, but this is a revolution that's unstoppable. I think you're absolutely right, Maureen. The quietness is due to people going, blimey, we need to do something with this. What the hell is it? Uh, and that's exciting um, because... Um, uh, a, a lot of work for consultants, yes. hopefully. Um, but I guess we should move on, really, um, to, yes. Uh, that was a great summary, as ever, Claire. Lovely analysis, Maureen. I, I really uh, listened to that hard and agreed with everything you said. But we must move on. Time and tide waiteth for no man nor woman. And now it's time that we, of course, go into the news. And our first story, uh, Claire, I go to you. TikTok integrating ads into search results i can guess what that is but you'll probably need to explain it uh, and uh, looking at taking retail in-house what's the story there claire well it's uh it's just two interesting stories that came up on tiktok it's always interesting to look at what tiktok's doing first of all the first one as you say it's pretty self-explanatory they're going to start putting ads in your search results on tiktok which is going to I suspect be very annoying but also probably quite efficient and will definitely increase the visibility of their ads uh, which will be good for them. They they have invested a lot in their ads servers and it shows the experience is fairly seamless. You're almost always served an ad now when you when you open TikTok. It's it's a it's a much it's clearly much more embedded into the experience. The so that's not surprising. You know, it's, it it was a very natural next move. The other thing that's been interesting that is only a rumor at this stage. Uh, which they deny, is that they might ban links to outside e-commerce links. So at the moment, you can put links into your TikTok thing. So if you're, if you're, trying, if you're trying to sell something on TikTok, you can put a link to your Amazon uh, shop or your Etsy shop or whatever. Uh, and, uh, but they don't want that. They want people to sell stuff on their platform if they, want to, if they want to sell something on the platform, which makes complete sense, but would be a very big step for them. They have a thing called TikTok shop, uh, where where you can buy and sell stuff, but it's small and it hasn't really broken through. And people are, tend to use TikTok more as a shop window and then move people onto other e-commerce sites. But if they start banning uh, banning links to other e-commerce sites, well, two things might happen. One, people might move off TikTok and start selling their stuff on Instagram instead, which they're probably already doing anyway. Or two, TikTok shop could really take off and become a a genuine force in the e-commerce world for this sort of products that you might buy on TikTok. So just an interesting story, not confirmed, but to be followed. I always love these stories about how much you can irritate somebody and still get them to oh, use yeah. your app or your or your website or whatever. It's one of those, isn't it? Um, nice one. Thank you. Um, Maureen, your, your story next. Um, Amazon launching Fire TV channels uh, app. Uh, what are they up to? Yeah, absolutely. They've, they've, they've just put in place a um, uh, uh, what looks like a sort of 400 plus three ad supported TV channels onto the uh, Fire TV uh, stick. Um, and to underpin that, they've done a whole raft of new content deals with uh, the likes of, um, you know, um, Variety, Rolling Stone, Hollywood Reporter, Looper and the like. Uh, so it's absolutely amazing that they're now will have TV branded um, smart TV services. So I, I think it's phenomenal. I, I have resisted uh, acquiring and putting a Fire 
TV stick in my in my telly, my smart telly, but I have purchased them for various members of my family. And now I'm probably going to going to get one because that looks really interesting. It looks like it's uh, I'll have a whole bunch of uh, new channels and new information, new content onto um, at the tip of my fingers. So, yeah, that's Amazon's little announcement uh, that they made this this week. So is that different channels to uh, Amazon on, on TV uh, or, or is it the same? Yes, yeah, so, so it'll be it'll be it'll be channels a bit like um you know they have Freevee um, and then they'll have Paramount Plus and the like. Then they're adding a whole bunch of free advertising supported channels to and as part of the Fire TV stick. So as soon as you you click into your uh, Fire TV stick and look at your page, your homepage, you'll see then a whole band of new content providers sitting on that uh, sitting on that uh, carousel. Um, so it's a uh, you know, it really will look lock in and build out their free advertising supported Yeah, I think uh, that's channels. what's interesting in it. It's, 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 they're really, this is, a, this is their way of really going hard into the ad supported streaming world, which, you know, we've, we've seen, we've talked a lot about uh, Netflix and, and Disney and what they're doing in that world, but Amazon's going another way, which is to add a lot of ad supported content with, through partners. Uh, and I, you know, the Fire TV stick, I bought it last year because uh, I use it to watch the BAFTA views of movies, but and it's a very good piece of kit. It's a sort of, it's slowly sort of taken over as a, as a, as a very, very effective way of streaming most, most applications. So I think an interesting, fairly quiet announcement. They don't go big with these announcements and probably they will see how it goes and they may you know, decrease the number of channels or change it all together. But that it's 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 it will be interesting to see whether they, they also whether they find the ad inventory for it. Does it make it even more complicated for the poor punter uh, having yet another uh, device, or or is that not the case? Not the case. You just stick in the fire uh, stick back. I don't think so. I think you have a car- well. Personally, I don't think so. You you got this carousel that just takes you around, um, and and. You know, it just you, you'll start to latch on to what it is you like. OK, at first it may look overwhelming, but you'll find either the sports part or you might find, you know, uh, through um, you know, a certain provider that the brand of which you may know and be familiar with um, that will support it. And then you'll end up with maybe five or six that you tend to look at more regularly. But, but it's a good choice. point. Yeah. Personally, I don't think it will. No, but Claire, it's a slightly I, different point. Uh, Oliver, I, I think it's a really good point that you make. I think the, what, one of the objectives of doing this on the Fire Stick is that Fire, Fire TV Stick becomes the default player for all of these things. Because at the moment, you can basically watch Netflix on your smart TV. You can watch it through the Apple TV. You can watch it through Fire Stick. You can watch it through various other things. But the Fire TV Stick is a very smooth interface. It's going to have more content than your smart TV or the Apple TV. And it may get to the point where you're like, actually, you know what? I'm going to use this now. I'm going to stop using all the other methods of, a, of and you know, whoever owns the OS, as we well know, whoever owns the OS owns a lot of the consumer journey and experience. And that that is one step further in the, in the uh, direction of, a quiet move by Amazon to try and own the the TV viewing experience a bit more. Okay, okay, that makes more sense. Right. Uh, well, if you're both getting one, I'm definitely going to get one. Uh, no more recommendations uh, needed, really. Um, one of the advantages of uh, being on this uh, podcast. Let's move on. Uh, oh, Claire, this is one for you. So, Microsoft. Oh, blimey! This sounds this sounds quite big. Microsoft selling off cloud gaming rights to Ubisoft. 
Goodness me. What's yeah, it's, it's such a big... Uh, it's part of what we talked about this. They, they, they needed to do something to get the UK regulatory approval. They've now got the US and the European ones. They just need to do something so that the UK can review the case and say, you know what, they've addressed our concern. We're okay to do it. For me, this is what's happened. Cloud gaming, what they're selling to Ubisoft, as far as I can see, is not very big. Uh, it's not got, you know, they could recreate it fairly quickly if they wanted to, but they are saying to the UK, to the UK uh, regulator, you were worried about cloud gaming. Well, we're selling off cloud gaming. This is not why we're making this acquisition. Now, can you please, please, please approve it so we can get on with it? And I think with this, they will approve it. Uh, and, and they can finally get on with this acquisition of Activision uh, Blizzard that we've been talking about for so long. So this is very much a strategic move or I would say rather a tactical move to get this approval through. And Ubisoft must be thinking, great, that's brilliant, fantastic, I'll take it. Okay, that's the story. Uh, we'll keep an eye on all of them as we do across the media landscape. Uh, but for now, and for this time, that was In The News. Okay, and now perhaps everybody's favourite, the Podmojis. Um, it's moving further and further with every edition of the Media Beat from its original concept. However, uh, that doesn't make it any less enthralling and interesting. And it helps if you're watching on video. You get a, you get a lot more out of the experience. But nevertheless, uh, the descriptions of these Podmojis are also well worth taking note of. Uh, so we've got a few uh, the old Podmojis now. I can see uh, both ladies warming up, uh, doing some stretches um, of uh, most of them, most of the parts. There we go. Uh, lovely to see. They're still young enough to be very flexible, uh, my two colleagues. Uh, so here we go. I'm expecting some high energy uh, Podmojis here. Uh, let's start. Oh, boys will be boys. Uh, that's where we're starting. Mark and Elon. Oh, calm down, lads. Uh, I'm going to smash your face in, said a multi-billionaire. Absolutely pathetic, as far as I'm concerned, uh, once you're above the age of about 13. Uh, but the cage fight is off, apparently. Uh, Maureen, what's up? Uh, sorry, I still refuse to entertain <laughs> this, this discussion. I think the whole thing is just farcical. <laughs> so just, uh, just so, to thumbs down. So fist down, fist down, fight, fist down, fight. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I think all these celebrity fights are ridiculous. I'm a sports fan uh, and I like a bit of boxing. And to see these people making money who are not very good at fighting yeah, is, a, is an absolute... I mean, who would pay? Who would pay to watch two losers play oh, tennis? a lot of people. <laughs> or, a lot of people. Uh, you know, or five-a-side yeah. football with five people who can't play football. Would <laughs> <laughs> exactly. you pay to see Zuckerberg exactly. and Musk play tennis? Just like mm, that was a bit crap. Uh, Claire, uh, uh, over to you. Yeah, you know, actually, this one is quite interesting because weirdly, Zuckerberg is coming out of it smelling like roses, which was not my uh, my bet at the beginning, and not still not a fan. But the fact is that Elon Musk said, "I would fight Mark Zuckerberg in a cage and win," and Zuckerberg said, "Fine," and apparently, he does a lot of martial arts. And he's quite fit. And obviously, he's quite young, quite a lot younger than Elon. And Elon got scared and said, no, actually, don't want to do it because it sounds really weird and I might lose. And so left his big rival looking very smart and saying, well, I'm here. You know, he can do it whenever. Here's my phone number. You know, he can contact me on Facebook. Uh, and, uh, 
and we can we can have the fight. I don't know. It's, the whole thing is ridiculous. <laughs> but I another weird example of Elon Musk's uh, interesting psyche. Let's put it that way. Do we need an emoji? I just you know there are a lot of rude emojis that I could think of, but I'm going to no, I don't think so. <laughs> For those listening, uh, I'm going to pretend now that Claire is doing something horrific, uh, but she's not really. Uh, it's funny, though. Someone like Elon, right? What is, what's your views? He is um, hes one of those people that's really annoying and he's really successful. And yet, would you prefer him not to be around? He's just like he's just like interesting. Uh, or do you think you don't want someone who's just interesting and a bit crazy owning the power of tens of billions of uh, dollars. Um, what, what, what's, what's your view on that? The, the guy's a newsworthy guy, and it's like whatever he does, you, you, you kind of take notice of because it's so crazy. And it, would you like to live in a world without Elon, or would you like to work, live in a world with a muffled Elon? Or um, I don't know. What, what's your feelings? I'd be interested. I, I think, look, you know, he does own uh, satellites, you know, that, that, that basically the Ukraine army and uh, defense is sort of relying on in order to you know defend itself against you know putin's uh, advances um so i mean he's so so he's involved in some serious stuff and including you know making some really good cars that 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 will help with potentially down the road you know um the the, the, the emissions controls you know things like that and so i mean he doesn't have to necessarily be serious, but but he can be, you know, less stupid, if I can put it that way. So, yeah, yeah. so, um, you know, so, yeah, he's he, and, and also as this is probably something that Scott Galloway says a hell of a lot, uh, you know, he's a role model for some very young, you know, boys and girls, probably, uh, but mostly boys. And so the way he behaves, he should take note of the power that he, you know, and the influence he has on a young generation and in particular young boys. So, you know, it just, it just annoys me that, you know, we do, he's making some really great innovative products. He's doing some great stuff for us for the next, you know, 20, 30, 50 years and for the next generation, but he just needs to grow up a bit, you know, that that's my view. Yeah. No, but I agree. I mean, for me, it's more, it's unpredictability. I think somebody who has, I just, there's no governance to him at all, to his empire. And, you know, as you say, he owns some very strategic assets that have potential impacts on millions and millions of lives. Uh, and the fact that he's a complete maverick with no controls in place doesn't, doesn't make me very comfortable. That's my main. And I don't, I don't care so much about the cage fight. It's just a symptom. But the fact that the power that he wields and the fact that he doesn't seem entirely stable those two things don't make me very, uh, very happy. Yeah, I went to an old boys' school. We might not uh, surprise you to hear, and it was always the same. Go on, then. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Oh, no, I didn't mean it. I'm just going, <laughs> on, mate. And, uh, yeah, it's funny you should say about, that's right, the, the worry about the instability of such a powerful mm -hmm. man and the and the silliness. You're right. He's a role model. It's funny, though. Is there a paradox, though? Is he so creative and lateral thinking that he has to be of that slightly spectrum... Um, uh, slightly spectrum personality type um but anyway uh we'll we'll move on because he's not someone that we won't be talking about uh so let's move on to um 
Yes. Oh, blimey. This one's so depressing from a football lover's standpoint. But anyway, yeah, we've got to talk about it. Let's start with you, Claire. Spanish football's own goal. We all know what that means. I mean, you know, is this is, this is the potential of toxic masculinity, really. I don't know. I, this, the whole thing is just uh, just incredible. First of all, huge congratulations to the Spanish football team for winning the World Cup. Great game. Really played very well. Uh, this Absolutely. whole thing is... I don't know. It's just, it's you want, this is what you want to do. You want to pull your hair out. That's my point of for this. The stupidity of it all. Yeah. yeah. Sadness. <laughs> Maureen shrugging. Yeah. Is that is that it? I mean, that could be your answer. The real tragedy is the Spanish won the World yeah. Cup, which is a fantastic thing for the Spanish nation, the Spanish football. And what's the story? Some idiot grabs... In a sexual nature, let's not pretend it wasn't, and kisses on the lips the captain. It's, uh, yeah, as a man, I'm ashamed, but I would obviously never do anything like that. But I feel desperately sorry for the Spanish team who should be uh, lauded. Well, I'm sure they're lauded in their country as heroes, um, but uh, overshadowed by one egomaniac man. Great. Thanks, Guy. What a great role model you are. Um, so I'm not supposed to have an opinion on these. Am I? I'm supposed to just introduce them, so I'll just uh, shut up. Um, but um, I represent men in this podcast, and I say he's a poor example, a shabby example of a man, uh, and uh, not one I associate with, except my genetics. Uh, okay, we've got another one now. Uh, Mark Thompson is moving to CNN. Ah, interesting one. Not the first person to go across the pond. Let us start with Maureen on that one. Oh, yeah. So, so, so of course, uh, uh, Chris Licht. Who is who was the ex CNN um, CEO uh, left in uh, well at Speed, and uh, David Zasloff um, has been looking for a, a replacement. And it's interesting that clearly uh, the pool of um, the pool of candidates is quite limited. Um, so so Mark Thompson was the director general uh, of the BBC many 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 eons mm -hmm. years ago, and uh, and suddenly it's popped up to be the new CNN. Um, CEO, um, mm, uh, it wouldn't wouldn't be my first choice, but uh, interesting. That uh, that was uh, uh, that's the selection. So I'm a uh, right really. Well, it, it, <laughs> when you say it wouldn't be your first choice, is it is it uh, uh, that is it not your first choice for Mark Thompson to take that job oh. or for Zazlav to offer it to Mark Thompson? As uh, I wouldn't offer it to Mark Thompson. Interesting, because I wouldn't necessarily. Uh... And on that, her lips are yeah. sealed. I, I wouldn't have definitely taken the job if I was Mark Thompson, to be honest. He's 66, CNN, you know, and I love CNN, <laughs> oh, but, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a sinking ship at this stage. Not entirely sure what he can do to it. So, yeah, odd choice all around. But, we, you know, we may be proven wrong. Maybe it's one of those things that he thinks, well, if I, if I fail, it's a sinking ship, couldn't do anything about it, it was the Titanic, and if he succeeds, he's a hero. I don't yeah, know. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of Linda Iacarino, but, yeah. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, Burger King Whopper. Uh, Claire, it's our final one. Yes, listen, they're being sued because because their Whopper doesn't look anything like the ad for the Whopper. And interestingly, the, although the storyline only talks about Burger King because they're the latest ones to get sued, turns out they're also lawsuits against McDonald's and Wendy's for the same reason. Yes, the, the, I think the filing specifically said that uh, the, 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 all the fillings 
don't overflow the bun when you buy it in the shop, as they do in the picture. And uh, Burger King has said that they have no obligation to replicate exactly what's on the picture. So a story, as you always say, Oliver, that will run and run. But now I'm hungry. Yeah, it will overflow the bun, in fact, this story. Maureen. <laughs> I think I think I think this story is wonderful. I think it's hilarious. I think it's brilliant. I love it. I love this story. Um, and it is just like a flat pancake or an enormous big whopper. I always, you know, look and I love the whoppers. And it just reminds me of uh, Quentin Tarantino's oh, yeah. Royal with uh, cheese, you know, uh, film. <laughs> Royal with cheese. So, what do they call a whopper? I don't know. I didn't get. Oh, it's a whopper. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Massive. So looking back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, extraordinary how they get away with it though, because product should look like what you see on the can or in images. Um, I'm amazed that they've got away. There with it There was so a story yeah. talking about about. Um, about quarter Tarantino, there's a story about the quarter pounder because the whole thing about the royal, which is you know you can't call it a quarter pounder in Europe because they don't have the metric system. Apparently, at some point in the, I don't know if it was McDonald's decided to to include to start with, I guess a third pounder, which was a third of a pound instead of a quarter of a pound, and so it was more meat. As anybody who's done you know eleven plus math knows, and. All the Americans in, 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 one, in one voice said, no, 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 that looks like it's going to be smaller. I don't want it. Because you know, three is smaller than four. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Give me an eighth pounder. Yeah, That's what exactly. I want. Give it me now. That's going to be bigger. The 25th yeah. pounder. Come yeah. on, I'm hungry. Ah, oh, very good. Well, that lovely. Um, that's a nightmare. Imagine if all their operational processes had to change so that the lettuce hung outside the burger it cost them billions. Poor old Burger King, not. Uh, thank you very much, ladies. Awesome as ever. Love the AIP. Loved all of it this time, as I always do, actually. Let's face it. So uh, it only remains for me to say, and we have run out of time, uh, a very um, happy farewell to you, Maureen. Uh, goodbye, Oliver. Thank you. And an equally happy thank you uh, to Claire. Welcome back to uh, England. We are wet, we are soggy, but we're lovely. Uh, and that refers to the people as well as the land. Thank you, Claire. Thank you very much, Oliver. And, and thank you, Maureen. And we'll see you all next time. Stay tuned to the Media Beat.